0: Yes, of course. Burl Barrett. <laughs> I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I'm Roger Moore. I didn't supply the microphone. Hi there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show. Welcome to True Crime Uncensored, America's premier, premier true crime podcast. Uh, we are so proud to have you here. Will you, uh,
1: sure. I, I'm Ray Caronan, and I'm a
0: professional editor. Welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have someone literate. Uh, we love doing the true crime show well, we're a pleasure to have you here because people who read and who are into true crime which thankfully for those of us who, who write and use uh, editors and uh, you know wordsmiths and people who know what they're talking about like clients, like people to pay money uh, to buy our work, your work and my work together uh A lot of people don't even know you exist. (laughs) I mean, I don't mean you're invisible, but from an artistic and academic and literary standpoint, people buying my books, for example, uh, unless there was a big picture of you on the back cover, and said, no, she's not a victim in this crime. (laughs) Give our uh, true crime audience, tell us how a woman of your intelligence, how do you make it How how did she end up on this show? Yeah, really. I mean, you think your judgment would have... You know, precluded this all together. <laughs> How did you get this well, great career? Well, I've been
1: um, I've been working in the literary field for about twenty years. Yeah. I I do it primarily as freelance, and I work with a variety of publishers and uh, independent authors.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: but I like to think of what I do is. I help writers sum up and focus their voice and their story.
0: Well, that's good because I'll tell uh, you, I know personally that I'm not perfect anymore. Because <laughs> 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 I may have been at one time when I was smart enough to have my own staff of, you know, syncophants who do whatever I told them, like make sure I. Spell my words right <coughs> uh, No one can keep track Of absolutely everything In, in their own projects and You have in, in, in the The book that uh, You are editing With me right now Stealing Manhattan The unknown Secret hidden uh, Origins of the Pink Panthers And the story Of our good friend Pavley Sedemirovic And his father The world's greatest Diamond heist Masterminds And uh Uh, I get a kick out of you I've worked with a lot of editors Some who should be shot (laughs) Those are the ones who write Their own paragraphs into my book (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then there are those who Help bring the thing together So it makes sense for the reader Because authors Tend to forget We're not all elephants Tend to forget that the reader Does not already know everything we do (laughs) Well that's true.
1: And I think that um primarily what I do is read not just with a technical eye, but read as somebody who loves books. Mm-hmm. And you know, in my spare time I'm also reading for fun and I read nearly every genre. And I think having that much of a variety in the background helps me regardless of what genre I'm editing. Mm -hmm. Because in the end, it's all storytelling. Yeah. Whether it's a memoir or true crime or fiction, you're all trying to tell a story and I want to read the best story possible. So I feel like my job is is to help remove anything that isn't that.
0: Yeah, ain't that a fact? And, of course, I overwrite everything.
2: <laughs>
0: that's that's what my fans are paying for. Although I have backed off uh, euphemistically on that in the... Um my most more recent books. I've been working a lot with Frank C. Gerardo Jr., who is an award-winning investigative journalist and a delight to work with because we don't even have to see each other. I don't have to read his stuff. He doesn't have to read mine. We just trade (laughs) off. And he trusts me and I trust him. And then we send it to someone such as you and you go, boy, you guys work well together. Oh, thanks. Uh, uh, We just... The way uh, he described it, uh, we did a personal appearance and people actually showed up, which was amazing. Uh, he says it's like like we're a band. He's the rhythm section, and he lays down the, the rhythm track. And then he says, then we bring in Burl and he plays lead guitar. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was a very nice thing for him to say. Uh, but, I mean, he's, he's so solid on his research. Uh, you asked... Something in your review of my most recent manuscript Stealing Manhattan That I didn't know the answer to So I'm going to ask you on the air So all the would-be true crime authors out there Who are listening Believe me By now we have at least four or five listeners After another 15 years So there will be people paying attention I quote One of the primary characters Stan says The table is not being used due to social distancing and Jupiter, the March is okay, who's he saying this to? What's the source of this quote? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, if I, I don't want to say he said to me, how did I get in this story? <laughs> you know, I'm the omnipresent, I'm, I'm the president, God-like narrator. Do you understand? What, I mean, so how, do I, uh, how do I say that? Well, you have two options
1: um well i have a lot more than that but the two the two quickest and easiest options and the ones that i would recommend is the first one is to have a in the prologue introduce the author as a speaker so we have that set and then you can remove them so we understand that this took place over a series of months at a coffee shop or a diner or at someone's home, so that we don't have to keep going back and forth as to when and where I have. Or mm-hmm. you put them in the story throughout, um, not through the action, but in the dialogue. As a writer, you would say, at this point, I had to question so-and-so, because this seems to not line up with what they said before. And then you can continue to have the dialogue. Gotcha. The third option would be to take out the quotes entirely and have it in the first person from one of the characters and have the dialogue only be
0: between them. Yeah, of course, uh, What you're in, in the true crime is if it's a private conversation, how do we know what was said? So right. <laughs> then you get into Truman Capote uh, area where it's not true crime anymore. It's docudrama. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's true crime. I go, no, that's not true crime. Sorry. <laughs> it's good, but it's not, <laughs> it's not fact crime. That's a novel. <laughs> that's true. That's why I think the easiest
1: fix is to, end a protocol, except the stage, and then you don't have to go back and forth on how you got the information because it's
0: already set. Yeah. That's what Frank uh, and I did in uh, uh, our book, uh, Taste for Murder. Oh. Uh, it begins with us hanging out in a coffee shop somewhere. <laughs> Maybe you could take a couple books talking about the kind of case we want to write about. And what, what we're looking at What we're finding And what we're going to run with or not And it's kind of getting the, the reader in this process this Is this what we're going to go through To get this book to you <laughs> We'll find you a good case, hang on How about this one, you know And sometimes people think we're being a little too uh, Tongue in cheek with it but it's like when you're dealing with law enforcement characters and people who do with this kind of stuff. You have to I- approach your own process with a degree of emotional distancing, or you'll spend all your time crying in front of your computer monitor. Oh, that's entirely true. I
1: agree.
0: Understand that, don't you? Yeah, I do. I tell you when, uh, I did murder in the family was. I'm happy to say it uh, remains uh, an incredible best-selling book. <laughs> uh, I love those checks in the mail. Actually, direct deposit works even better. Uh, <laughs> that was my first serious uh, true crime book. Did for? for. Uh,
2: Hello. And do you have a, a first non-serious? Yes, topic?
0: yes, I did.
2: A counterfeit resurrection?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, Man Overboard, The Counterfeit Resurrection of Phil Champagne. The story of fraud, deception, trickery, lies, and fine prime rib.
2: And cartoon mice.
0: <laughs> and cartoon mice. Yeah. Well, that's. Uh, are you familiar with that wonderful book, uh, Rowena? I, I can't say that I am. Well, you will be at about 15 seconds. This is the opening line. <laughs> nineteen, nineteen uh, eighty-two. 1982. Oregon businessman Phil Champagne dies in a tragic boating accident off Lopez Island, Washington. He is survived by one wife, <laughs> one wife, four adult children, an, oxygen, an octogenarian mother, and four despondent children. Phil didn't know he was dead until he read it in the newspaper. All things considered, he took it rather well. 1992, Uh, Oregon restaurateur Harold Stegman, famous for his thick, juicy steaks, is arrested by the United States Secret Secret Service for printing counterfeit $100 bills in a tiny shed in Idaho. In addition to the bogus bills, Stegman has a fraudulently obtained United States passport, a fabricated Cayman Islands driver's license, and Phil Champagne's fingerprints. Oh wow Yep It's that story of Fraud, deception, trickery lies And fine prime rib <laughs>
2: You forgot I that was the I forgot the Mises to pieces Oh
0: yeah The pieces to pieces Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah They are um
2: uh, they're negotiating for me for film rights.
0: We have been negotiating with film rights to that book for a long and, time. Oh, for for years.
2: And then they asked some questions about changes
0: to the story. Oh yes, they want to change the story to totally take out everything that's unusual and make it totally predictable. Oh, that's not good. Anthony Spinner, who was the guy who was out smoking pot in his car before our meeting, <coughs> and uh, he was wearing a sweater that soaked up all the THC. I could have just taken his sweater and sold that and just not worried about writing another book for a few years. But uh, I'm meeting with him, and the book hasn't been published. I just got the manuscript, and I'm telling him the, the story. And he goes, wow, is this, could we make a few changes? Like, maybe, uh, maybe Phil's daughter is a private eye married to a cop. <laughs> All this is cliche after cliche after cliche. And I said, oh, I said, Phil, they want to do this, do that. And he says, "Oh, I don't care if they make me a cartoon mouse as long as they sign the check. <laughs> that's yeah. the attitude, Phil. <laughs>
2: I love that.
0: Yeah, true story. Phil's gone now, but his memory lives on. Uh, yeah. so, uh, so
2: you've been doing this for a while, correct? I have, yeah. Okay, so if somebody wanted to say write the great American novel they had in the back of their head for the past forty years, uh, do you recommend any of the writing software that's out there? You know, like Final Cut and No, I don't. I a think Focus that writer, ever know. I I know a lot
1: of people use. Them. Um, And I think that they have their place, But I think that just getting words on on the page without worrying about that kind of format or outline when you are first starting out um, holds the flow. I think that later when you're looking for Uh, familiar with how you want to tell a story, then maybe you can use them, but I think that they tend to push people into simple boxes instead of letting there be more freedom of verse. Hmm.
0: Uh, One thing I I probably noted more than one thing in my true crime career is I was never really into true crime (laughs) until I started writing it. And, of course, the reason I did that was I was offered uh, a publishing contract to write a book about a case in Alaska, a horrified case that was murdering the family. And I asked the all-important question, is there a check attached?
2: Well, that seems to be a theme
0: <laughs> And uh, they which, said, yes. And I said, I'm the man for the job. <laughs> which brings me to
2: a particular uh, point of contention. Yeah. Why am I paying you? To be on the show,
0: oh, I haven't figured that out <laughs> yet either. No one knows, and if we make any big money, we don't get it anyway. It goes to Matt because he owns this nonprofit radio venture. <laughs>
2: Eighty, what,
0: eighty-three percent or whatever. Eighty, yeah, and that's based on IQ. <laughs> Yours probably <laughs> no, no, our audience generally
2: no. Now, now let's, uh, let's No, not, his audience let's generally Let's not annoy the three or four people who listen
0: and we have more than that In fact, according to the bogus rating system Now developed for the internet <laughs> We are in, our show is in the top 2.3% of all internet radio podcasts And Oh wow, congratulations Thank you. I have no idea what link to reality that rating has. <laughs> whatsoever. how the hell they could possibly measure it. Because the show is live right now on OutlawRadioLive.com, uh, uh, Where you've got, you know, guys 18 to 25 with a good chance doing 25 to 30. Uh, you know, <laughs> sitting around getting hammered and convincing each other of some bizarre conspiracy theory somewhere. And uh, uh, then we get all these great stars come on Who don't realize they're getting really screwed over Until after they have a fun time You know So we get great guests Matt Allen does a fabulous show uh, Until it lapses into poker and politics But other than that Fabulous show One of the world's best interviewers by the way
2: That's an accurate
0: statement Yeah. uh, Yeah If you get a chance If you go on Uh uh, mixed Mix cloud and uh, typed in my name or his name or something. Uploaded a mixed cloud is his classic, brilliant interview with P. F. Sloan. Tremendous. Uh, P. F. Sloan is the most successful American songwriter uh, from the period of 1960, what 364 to 69. More wrote more hits for more artists than anybody ever. And then disappeared. Yep but then just before he died he made a comeback for the same show you're on right now
2: oh my goodness
0: yeah because there's, there's a song called pf sloan i have been seeking pf sloan and no one knows where he has gone written by jimmy webb and has been a hit of several times and most recently just before pf sloan died <laughs> hmm. but a uh, super nice fellow brilliant uh, very talented and He's kind of like The Forrest Gump Of rock and roll <laughs> Oh You know <laughs> that Rolling Stone song That starts with a sitar Yeah I produced that And he tells the story Behind it You know Oh yeah Mamas and Papas uh, California Dreaming It went like this I rearranged that For it when I was 19 <laughs> You know it's great stories And he wrote um, The Eastern World Is Exploding You know uh, Even destruction. Which that song, that song alone should have made him a multi 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 millionaire Which it did, I think, eventually. Because Dunhill Records sold all of his stuff to MCA, but not until after they put a gun to his head and made him sign away all of his royalties. Mm. Uh, and threatened to kill his parents. <laughs> so uh,
2: That's, that's an entire novel into itself.
0: Yeah. I suppose they haven't made a movie about his life yet But anyway, he became a good friend of ours Here at the show Super nice guy And then he, uh yes,
2: There's a lot of the individuals that come on the show
0: Because they go, this is strange
2: And they they they, <laughs> uh, they topple over and are never heard from again. Yeah, it's
0: not always our fault No <laughs>
2: I, I, know, I don't know, it might be the venue
0: Yeah, well, it could be Too bad be. juju Now we got two Jews right here At least three now well,
2: Three jujus <laughs>
0: Yes, cool, good juju.
2: So, do you have any uh, recommendations for the aspiring author or editor? Well, no, you know. Uh, well, how about an, a degree in uh, in English? That might
0: help.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that is helpful. You know, um, it, might, it might be nice to know which there to there. Well, that I get that
0: uh, is <laughs> And its and its.
2: Well, want the apostrophe is is, is uh, it is. How about that? Well, what if it's possessive? <clears throat> but then that wouldn't be it is. That the apostrophe would go after the s. Yes, if you wanted it to be that weird. So you go it's
0: apostrophe. You can do that with a lot of uh, plurals. When you're. Well, it's not a plural. If I say uh, it's my party, you know, <laughs> if I want to, where does the apostrophe go?
2: Uh... It goes in front of the eye so that no one knows what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is creative linguistics.
2: You, is? Can, you can memorize the Harbreeze uh, College uh, handbook. Or Cliff's notes. You no, know, ask about the Harbreeze uh, no. punctuation and usage.
0: Do you cheat and use that when you're at work? No, Rowena, do you do that?
1: Um, I keep uh, something white on hand because there are a plethora of
0: grammar rules that are just don't always apply I like to to have a. well you broke up a little bit there what was that last part?
1: um there's a plethora of just random uh, obscure grammar rules that I like to see a handbook on uh within reach
0: for the things that I'm not entirely sure of. Yeah, sometimes uh, if, if I have a book about that hasn't been uh, proofread properly or if I got real ballsy one day and decided to just take some manuscript and put it up on the internet myself and see if anyone would take a bite on it, uh, to, how come this idiot doesn't know the difference between there, 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 and there and over there he's got an incident, incident, it's. And an it's, and an it's. <laughs> So that's because 'cause I'm an author, not a grammarian. Give me a break.
2: Ah, well, you can you know yep. you can pay for Grammarly and it'll it'll give you a little help.
0: Yeah, but yeah, is a great tool. It is. I'm a tool. I'm a big tool too. But <laughs> what's the baby? Huh?
2: <laughs> well, I I I write for an entirely different audience, a technical audience, and I'm constantly yep. writing technical documents for work. And oh, wow. uh, Grammarly definitely helps. Uh... Keep, keep you on track and help you with your sentence structure, keeping things succinct and easy to read. Because the material will put anyone to sleep just by its nature.
0: Yeah, he's going to write one about sleep deprivation studies. And the study <laughs> of the studies is going to solve the problem. <laughs>
2: read this and you will sleep yeah, back. No
0: problem. <laughs> so I, I agree. I think grammar
1: like, is really helpful. Um, but to to your earlier question about a potential author who wants to break this uh, into the genre, I think that the best advice is to just read everything that has already been done, read all the books, to see the different styles, to see how they handle the research. Uh, it's, a, it's a pet peeve of mine when well, I look Well, actually, I don't it any more. Uh, but I always ask um, potential independent clients, once
0: that I haven't gotten to a publisher, uh, what to read. That's, and, that's very, very important and perceptive of you. took me a long time to figure that out. Uh, I've done a whole series of books for Kensington. that did quite well. and But We could say creatively or artistically or craftily, whatever the proper wording would be, says the author. It was not fulfilling, it was just depressing because it was a true crime. I was talking to Frank Gerardo about this, they said, and they have to be 100,000 words long. A mystery, a decent mystery. If I was at that, I wrote one of those, which I have, I think. Uh, it's going to be fifty-five to sixty thousand words. Maybe if I really get, you know, prolix and verbose, I could drag it out to seventy-five, maybe eighty. But you got to do a lot of padding to get a mystery up to a hundred thousand and keep people's interest.
2: Uh, um, Agatha
0: Christie. Yeah, well, she's dead. See how what good it did her. pisses me <laughs> Every time I think of You're just with her career getting warmed up. Here she goes.
2: You uh. go through uh, 95,000 words. And what was? In the last three paragraphs, something that only H.K. Perot
0: knew. He he, that's cheating. That's cheating. And you have just, to... Uh. Audience has to have the same information or they're being robbed. But I'll give you a secret. Now, Rowena knows this. And that is... Everything you need to solve the mystery is in the first 20 pages. (laughs) It's all there, it's just that you can't see it because you have no context for it. The answer is always right at the beginning of the book.
2: Very nice, I'll keep that in
0: mind. Keep that in mind, it'll destroy your fun of reading mysteries forever.
2: (laughs) One (laughs) of his best films, Mystic River.
0: Yeah, it's a good movie too.
2: Yeah, the the uh, movie was fabulous and you were, that's where it is. You are told who committed the crime in the first four or five minutes. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. the rest of the movie for you to figure out that's that's what's going on.
0: Well, that's why my daughter and I were talking about our favorite mystery book which is Gone But Not Forgotten by Philip... What's his name? He's from Portland, Oregon. An attorney. Uh Brilliant book, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Uh, Got uh, it's easy to find to figure out who done it and the who's the killer, but that's not the big mystery. <laughs> and the other one just blows your mind. When they did the TV uh, movie adaptation, they changed all the males to females and all the females to males for demographic purposes for the audience, which was smart. Didn't change the story at all. Mm-hmm. And everyone uh, was very happy. And he's written several books since then. But that, Philip Margolin. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Mar-Golan. Philip Margolin. Philip Margol. Margolin. Yeah, in Portland. A Great guy too. Really nice fellow. Uh, but sometimes you'll get that one book, that one brilliant idea, structurally or plot-wise, and there it is. And there it goes. It's like Fletch. You know, once once you've done Fletch, you can't give us Fletch's fortune. Because he's no longer the poor underdog. He's now got all this money. And that changes the dynamics between you and the reader. That's true. Like Burke's Law. (laughs) The best mystery. What was that again, Rowena? I think the best mysteries, and I think it's
1: true of true crime books as well, is when you know who did it, but you don't know the why. Yeah. Yeah. Because the who isn't anywhere near as interesting as the
0: what. Yes, you are absolutely accurate. Correct. When we get to the lightning round, you're going to get rich. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it is a fascinating topic. I have read. I have had people send me manuscripts to read that, uh, I mean, I'm not a big fan of true crime unless I'm writing it. (laughs) Because I know there's a check attached. (laughs) But, uh, I mean, I love writing. And I love reading someone who writes well. Uh, But just, uh, I'm so emotional, you know, I'm just one of those bleeding heart liberals and I just get so upset when people are being killed all the time, especially kids and innocent human beings. It's not fair It's not right Damn it Life's supposed to be fair He said Let's go burn some witches Mm. So That's why People say What do you do When you're not writing These depressing uh, Clam stories I say try to Write funny stuff Like checks (laughs) (laughs) Yeah If you don't have A rubber chicken Write a rubber chick uh, so uh, Your job fascinates me You have to have attention to detail uh, I get a kick out of You will object to something When you, you were know, reading my manuscript And I just kind of smile and Wait till she gets to the next paragraph <laughs> <laughs> Because she doesn't know What's going to happen in the next paragraph And it does make sense If she reads one more paragraph And you go, oh, okay, never mind <laughs> But that's kind of the fun of it uh, our good friend Kathy Scott, who is a wonderful writer and a great investigative true crime journalist. She's a nice little uh, white-looking lady who wrote the definitive books on Tupac Shakur and Biggie Smalls, much to everyone's amazement, uh, is just crazy about the uh, Phil Champagne book because of the things I did structurally, of linking chapters. Uh... And didn't, I didn't think there was anything weird about it until she pointed it out. She said, How do you do that? How do you do that? I went, Oh, I know what I did. I just would set up transitions like they were jokes. You know, here's the setup, and then the, the punchline is the beginning of the next chapter and goes where that chapter's going. But you know that in advance because you're writing the book. So you know where to put the transitions. But the reader mm-hmm. isn't expecting them. You know. we were able to to uh, pull off kind of a fast one on one of our sources uh, he was an insurance investigator uh, this is from Man Overboard he was after Phil Champagne guy for being a crook and a criminal his name was Peter Richter was the name of the investigator for the insurance company and I said what are you so mad about Phil For he said, well, he's a criminal and the uh his ID that got him in the country, now the country, was all fraudulent. And then you turn the page and it says, that all the identification used by Peter Richter to get out of East Germany were fraudulent. They were all forgeries. <laughs> he forgot that he did the same thing himself. and was able to justify it because he was getting escaping a communist country. Well, Phil could justify his actions too. Mm-hmm. So he called me on the phone. Went, I just read your book. <laughs> yes, Peter. <laughs> he says, damn. He says, I didn't even see that coming when you asked me, you know, about me getting out of East Germany and all that. He says, you're right. I did do it just like Phil did. He says, yep. He sure did. I firmly believe that if the writer has fun writing this story, that the reader is
1: not going to have any fun Say about that again? I said and I firmly believe that if the writer isn't having any fun writing the story, the reader isn't going to
0: have any fun reading it. Whoa. Well said. And I thought one of the easiest books for me to write was Fatal Beauty about Rhonda Glover, who put thirteen bullets into her boyfriend because she believed he was having sex with clones in a cave under her house. That's as good a reason as any Uh, They told her Don't mention that in your trial (laughs) It's too dangerous So she's doing 60 years for uh, uh, Murder Which it was, definitely murder The fact that she thought His face was on a $20 bill With him wearing a leather gag mask Might tell you about her level of mental stability Yeah But no, don't mention that just, uh, just as I think I've mentioned before, the book we have coming out uh, uh, soon, uh, to live and lie in uh, Hollywood, is the whether uh, The defense attorney wanted to launch the most reasonable defense was that it was all set up by a federal agent. And that it was entrapment, most played entrapment case ever seen. Shh! Shut up. We can't mention that. <laughs> What? No, no, no. We, we we can't we can't bring that up. So the uh, the one who was working as a federal agent uh, was found not guilty. The uh, uh, mentally challenged kid, known as being terrified of any form of violence, has been now in prison for uh, twenty years for murder. But he's well. he's up for. Uh, He's up for parole in a month or two. So getting together with his attorney and showing him our research so far to make sure there's nothing in the book that's going to hurt him and hopefully uh, stuff that we find out that will help him get the hell out of prison.
2: Uh, I have a question for our guest. Please do. Uh, So how close are we to actually getting
0: our hands on a copy of Stammington cat? Well, uh, uh, there are... The Ask the Nice Lady I <laughs> <She> just did <laughs> She knows everything Well, um, I'll
1: return my first round of and notes um, So we'll see what I get back and we'll go from there
0: and That's what I'll be doing this week Is uh, Is noting her notes Noting her notes, taking some stuff out that She wisely says you don't need this in there <laughs> And I said you're right <laughs> I said, Anything that, that Shortens it down And punches it up I'm all for it. I'm all for that And uh, And we use Both people's real names mm-hmm. uh, It's kind of interesting To see what happens To people There's a fellow Named Zoran Jasek Who's in the story of uh, stealing Manhattan Uh, He uses As one of his many aliases In his life of crime Uh, My buddy's uh, name Except for the different first name He claims they're brothers But they were good pals He's now serving 110,000 years No, 30 uh, 30 years In a Peruvian prison For uh, Smuggling Liquid cocaine massive amounts on a giant ocean liner. Oh, wow. I mean, he really knew how to do it right. Apparently
2: not. He got caught. He
0: got, got caught. <laughs> We've been doing it for a while. Uh, I don't know why they're bothered. It's a nonviolent crime. And employed a lot of people. <laughs> uh, I guess we made sure the quality was good. Uh, it's just so strange. The paths that people take uh, I mean, the reason my, my pal Punch, Pablo Centameric, became a diamond thief, was to make his father proud of him. His yeah. <laughs> His dad was the world's greatest diamond heist mastermind, and to make his dad proud, there was only one way to make him proud of him, and that was to be even better than his dad. And so, yep, yeah, that worked. But, uh, he wanted to be an entertainer. <laughs> so well, now there's your chance. You're retired from crime. And, uh, you can, uh, go for it. So, uh... Have
2: you ever, have you ever been, uh, received, uh, um, a manuscript and it didn't need any changes? No. There are, there are always,
1: there are always things that, Always uh, up there's always something. There's always something There's always a question that hasn't been answered, um, and I think that most often the cleanest and tightest manuscripts that I have ever worked on. There's always something missing because the author thinks that they've already put it in, but they haven't. Because it's so clear in their head. Exactly. They've written a clear book. They don't realize they left out a
0: piece. That is the perfect answer to the perfect question. (laughs) (laughs) Because that is so true. No human being can keep track of absolutely every aspect of that complex story. I ghost wrote a, (laughs) a, a, a book for a fellow who did not pay me anywhere near enough. And then he decided afterwards to rewrite my version into his version, forgetting why he hired me in the first place. And he he sends his version of the manuscript out to major publishing houses, proudly giving them the right of first refusal. (laughs) You can tell what's coming ahead of time here. Thank you so much for giving us the right to be the first to refuse this incomprehensible piece of crap. I read it, even though I knew what it was supposed to be. I couldn't follow it. Thank you for us. Hey, you're fantastic, Rowena. I promise you, I will explain all the things that make no sense, and I'll take out the <laughs> stuff that does. <laughs> and we'll have a, a book that's just perfectly suited for all levels of literacy and illiteracy as long as they can pay the fee. Pearl. Yeah? What's next? And what's next is Magic Man Allen and the Demons of Decadence live from the light Up Lounge on MLR Radio Live.com. Hey, hi to everybody. I'm Press. Well, thank y'all for hosting me. It's been a pleasure and I can't wait to
1: read the next